We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to a special locker room edition of the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. And Jack, we're talking about a Nets win and Kevin Durant's return against the New Orleans Pelicans, and that's won 139-111. How are we doing, Jack? Nets world. <laughs> it really was Nets world. I mean, this is probably one of the most joyful games I watched all season long. We're going to jump into that and play more. You can find the buzz on all streaming platforms. But, Jack, where do you want to start? With Kevin Durant and his weird return? <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, certainly an odd start, Nick, because we initially had the announcement that Kevin Durant would be starting with the Brooklyn Nets, and then we got, a mere minutes before the game, that announcement was rescinded, and it was Bruce Brown that was starting, and then we saw basically every single player come off the bench. We saw Claxton, we saw TLC, we saw LSA Johnson, we saw Blake Griffin, we saw Chris Chioza, we saw all those dudes coming off the bench, and then it was just like, where the hell is Kevin. And <laughs> yeah. it was just, and the Nets was, the, were playing well, and there was just a sense of frustration bubbling over on Nets Twitter, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, obviously the taste was right there with the starting lineups being announced, and it's like, all right, he's going to play at some point. I just kind of got the idea after we didn't see him in the first quarter. It was just like, okay, maybe he wants to allocate all of his minutes to the second half and being the competitive guy he is. So I wasn't super concerned, but it was definitely interesting based off the announcement of the starting lineup. Do you, what do you think, Nick? And how do you, you know, if you're going behind the scenes, you'll Steve Nash or Marks, whoever it is, decided to make the decision. Maybe it was Kevin himself. You know, we saw his mum there. Maybe his mum wanted him to wait a little bit longer so he could get that really loud applause off the bench. Who knows? Why do you think this decision was made? Was it just to, like you said, allocate the minutes? Was it to, you know, was it precautionary because of what we saw with James Harden as well? What, what do you think? I mean, I, if I had a guess, Jack, I really think maybe they told Kevin Durant, hey, this is our plan with your minutes. And maybe KD was like, you know what? I'd rather play my minutes later in the game than play meaningful, uh, meaningless minutes in the first quarter because at the end of the day, you know, the first quarter is the least important quarter of the game. It, well, it is. And, and the Nets were lucky enough to start the game off pretty well. That second and third quarter, they just went absolutely goddamn bonkers. But yeah, I think it's the luxury of having, you know, one of the best players, if not the best player in the world, just sitting on the bench waiting there. And he just comes in and he just makes an impact on, in so many different ways, Nick. It was just like how, you almost, it's like we forgot how good Kevin Durant was missing, you know, yeah. 20 plus games. And it was just, he immediately comes in, hits a, hits a, a shot off a, off a pin down and it was just wet as hell. Yeah, it really was. I mean, he was on point. Obviously, the passing was great in the playmaking. He was a little bit rusty in some of the, the passing lanes in terms of the defenders being there. But 
I mean, really happy with what I saw from Kevin Durant. And I think the Nets, you know, made the right decision taking a slow approach with him coming back because the guy didn't miss a shot tonight. You know, five of five from the field, two of two from the three-point line, five of five from the free throw line, seven rebounds, five assists. Like I mentioned, six turnovers and 17 points. I mean, and all in 19 minutes. So Kevin Durant looked himself tonight. What was your favorite moment from his performance? Uh, honestly, I love the connection with LaMarcus Aldridge. I just thought it just kind of just showcased how good and how impactful he is, is that like guys are literally leaving, you know, players wide open under the hoop just to defend Kevin Durant's mid-range game and obviously the effect of all the players out there. So I just really my favorite moment was the whole night and how he just gelled in perfectly and the playmaking I thought really stuck out. And it's kind of something you almost forget about. Yeah, I mean, we've sort of said it, you know, in the games that he did play for the Brooklyn Nets, you know, he obviously learned a lot in the in the system in Golden State and his playmaking and his well-rounded and, and, in, in, and increasing his propensity as a, as a passer. Um, he was incredible in that tonight and the offense was just like an all-star game. You know, he threw a lob to LaMarcus Aldridge. I don't necessarily yep. think we could see a LaMarcus Aldridge lob. And then he threw a, cut, a, a cutting pass to him because, you know, Stephen Adams got lost and... It was just making LaMarcus Aldridge smile like probably a lot of Brooklyn Nets fans. Yeah, I mean, it really did. I mean, I think LaMarcus Aldridge was like smiling a lot this game, laughing and just being that wide open. It's just not something he's used to. He had a couple dunks in this game and talking about him, I mean, 22 points, 8 of 12, 2 of 2 from 3, 4 of 4 from the uh, free throw line, 3 rebounds, 2 assists. I mean, Aldridge had his best game as a Nets tonight. Yeah, and that's saying something because he's been pretty damn solid for the Brooklyn Nets. And yeah. I, I thought tonight, especially defensively, is where he set the tone. He booked Zion Williamson twice, Nick. Zion yes. Williamson twice. How many people have blocked Zion Williamson in their career once, let alone twice? That dude is just a human version of a locomotive. And he was just absolutely in, really, really solid defensively. And I didn't necessarily expect that from him. Yeah, I mean, I think his big body and his strength and that ability he has just kind of allows him to absorb some of that contact, and a lot of players can't. And like you said, Jack, really played him well early on in the game, and Zion didn't really go at him a ton. It was more so some of the other, you know, less big players, you know what I mean? So Aldridge, like you mentioned, has been good defensively so far in the net, at least better than I anticipated by a fair margin. Yeah, I think defensively is is where it really does stick out, Nick. And obviously, we saw another DNP for DeAndre Jordan. And if LaMarcus Aldridge is going to continue to play this well offensively and defensively, also hit the three ball quite nicely. And again, you know, instant chemistry with LaMarcus Aldridge, who Kevin Durant wanted on this team. You know, he mentioned that in his his presses before he he made his debut for the Brooklyn Nets. So you can already tell that there's going to be a, a synergy in chemistry, you know, based off, you know, what, 15 minutes playing together, if that. And and I, I don't know. I'm just really intrigued to see uh, the options. And the fact that LaMarcus Aldridge was providing this level of defensive prowess is something that is almost like a, a revitalization that we didn't necessarily expect because he wasn't even playing good de- defense in San Antonio the last couple of years. And now he sh- it seems to me that you know, he's being utilized in a way that, you know, so the, he's part of this switching scheme. He's still maintaining that drop and sort of, you know, just using his smarts on that end of the floor in a similar way that Blake Griffin is just being able to apply himself in that fashion too. Yeah, and I think also, like we mentioned, Aldridge is just huge. Like, he's just a big dude out there. He clogs up the paint, and he moves pretty well. And like you said, he's had some extra motivation. So, you know, you love to see it. I mean, Blake Griffin, another guy who really turned back the clock tonight, only 13 minutes, but he had that, you know, crazy dunk in this game, and he had the shot from the Barclays logo. Dude, that dunk was, like, insane. Like, and, and, you know, shout out to to Chase, Chris Chioza. That was a, a nice little dime from him, and I think that, Look, I, don't, I know that NBA Twitter probably isn't going to be happy with it, but Nets Twitter was going absolutely crazy because he cocked it back and was one-handed. It was like Russell Westbrook s with that ferocity. Yeah, I mean, uh, Lonzo Ball wanted no part of it. You know, you saw him kind of sprinting out of the way because I think if there was a body under there, Blake would have collected it. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. He would have murdered him like Jeff Green's murdered so many other NBA <laughs> players this season. And Kyrie Irving murdered someone as well tonight. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that might be the best dunk of Kyrie's career. Like, you know what I mean? He really just went past two defenders, had a little pump in there. I mean, Kyrie was in the bag. He's been in the bag all season long. So just continues to add to the highlights. And he took it to a different level with this highlight. It's always for the fam, Nick. It's always for the fam. As Vin (laughs) Diesel 
always said it's always about family and you know he immediately pointed to mum daddy sister or uh, dad sister and i think his kid or nephew or whoever else it was um, and it was just like dude kai's got the odds it's been a couple of games now where he, he's just looking spry and you know, Kyrie Irving's, I don't can't remember the last time Kyrie Irving had two dunks in a season, let alone in the space of a couple of games. And that was something I was just like, I had the same reaction as Clax. And for those that haven't yeah. seen it, check out on, on, on Twitter. There's a really funny sort of video of Nicholas Clax reacting. He's like, oh, okay, guy. And I was just like, I screamed at Blake Griffin and Kyrie Irving's dunk. But Nick, this is a dunk contest and you're not Dwayne Wade. You're not Josh Smith. Yeah. You're judging this objectively. What are you giving both of these dunks out of 10? I mean, for a dunk contest, they weren't really up there. I mean, oh, come on, Nick. Dunks. Give them something, mate. Show them some love. <laughs> I think for in-game dunks, I mean, the Blake one is probably, you know, a seven, and the Kyrie one's probably an eight just because he had the dumbbell pump in there. But, you know, you just love to see these guys kind of just show that extra energy. And I just feel like you felt that tonight in Barclays Center because of the return of Kevin Durant. I felt like everybody was trying to impress KD. Yeah, shout out to all the fans that were lucky enough to be there. James Harden, wearing the, was it Dior on the bench? You know, he was looking yeah. quite nice in, in the little striped shirt. I think Iron Eagle and the Syracuse were spending plenty of time along with RJ trying to dissect what was the brand of T-shirt that uh, Mr. Harden was wearing. But yeah, all in all, Nick, the, the vibes are, are on another level. We, we've spoken yeah. about this at length on the pod and the family atmosphere, the joy that this team plays with. You know, it's infectious, and you add in Kevin Durant, and it's just like, it's unfair. They're playing all-star level basketball without one of the five best players in the league, without one of their best three-point shooters, without one of their best role players. Um, This is nothing but fun times in Brooklyn, and I've always said it. I'll preach it again on the pod. You know, it's nothing but the journey. Enjoy the game. Enjoy this. Get sucked up in the moments. Enjoy the highlights. Enjoy the reactions. Blake Griffin's falling down off the Kyrie Irving. <laughs> can't believe it. He's dead from it. I'm dead from it. Uh, it's just, it's, it's a lot of fun in Brooklyn right now, Nick. Yeah, I mean, 43 points in the second quarter, you know, 36 in the first and third quarter. It's just an offensive explosion. And it looked really, really easy. Obviously, the Pelicans aren't a great defensive team, but there was just points in this game where Stan Van Gundy was ready to rip out the rest of his hair, and there really wasn't many things his defense could do. They gave up plenty of easy buckets, but when you're running some of the actions the Nets ran tonight, I don't know how you stop that. Look, I I honestly don't either, because there's just so many different options. You know, one of KD's buckets, or the one that he got fouled on, um, where he he was screening for, for Kyrie, and he just slipped the screen, Kai made the pass and Kevin Durant gets fouled immediately. Like, you do a a Kyrie Irving and KD pick and roll, you're going to get a good result out of it nine times out of ten. It's like the Stephen Curry, uh, Kevin Durant pick and roll in Golden State that, you know, Steve Kerr probably didn't use enough, but I think Steve Nash will probably have a greater desire and uh, motivation to do so in the postseason. But there are just so many options, Nick. You know, it's Joe Harris, it's Kevin Durant, it's Nicholas Claxton, it's Kyrie Irving, it's... It's Jeff Green. The the options are – there's so many options, it's almost unfair. Yeah, it really is. And, I mean, you mentioned, that you know, running the pick and roll, pick and pop with Kyrie. There's so many different options to run that with. You mentioned Joe Harris. You know, you look at LaMarcus Aldridge. You look at Blake Griffin. Even when James Harden is back, Nick Claxton. It's just like the amount of options you have now with Kevin Durant in the lineup. It's just kind of an incredible luxury for any NBA team. It's yeah, it's unfair for for many reasons, Nick. I'll, I'll certainly put it that way. <laughs> I, I want to hark back to the the uh, my highlight from Kevin Durant. I just love his threes in in opponent yeah. spaces, and when he did it to James Johnson, I'm just like, what, what do you do, Nick? Like, what do you honestly do? How do you defend it? You really can. I think James Johnson was talking a little trash to Katie early in this game, and that was a bad decision. He splashed a couple in his face, got the foul call on him at a three point line. I mean. Like you said, that's just another element to the Nets offense that just makes them unstoppable. Because like you said, there's nothing you can do. James Johnson, solid defender, not the same guy he once was. But like, how do you deal with that? Who can test that and can still maintain KD on the perimeter as well? No one. No one, nothing. (laughs) Unless you are, Mark is smart and you've got an extra eight inches on your height. You're you're not stopping it. It's as simple as that. You know, maybe Nicholas Claxton can, uh, but uh, but that's maybe the, one of the only guys in the league. Maybe him, Anthony Davis, maybe maybe Ben Simmons. But honestly, you know, Kevin Durant is going to get his own, and he was just uh, it was just a joy to watch him again. And you know, we had Kyrie Irving 
crossing over Stephen Adams back to New Orleans. That that might yeah. be one of the most filthy crossovers because that was some playground shit, Nick. Like he was just doing that for fun. Like he was, and he went back like, and hit him twice. It was just rude. Yes, <laughs> he didn't need to do it. It's just like uh, I'll start. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another little handle here, another little dribble there, another little crossover here. It's just like, Kai, man, stop showing off for your family, my dude. Like, seriously, that, that man, Stephen Adams, has the family himself too. Yeah, and the crazy thing is the Nets can get offense so easy, but even when they need difficult offense, which they didn't need in this game, but they will need at different points against great teams, they can do either or. You know what I mean? There's so many different options and there's so many moves. You know, we mentioned Kevin Durant's three, but you look at Kyrie Irving and the shots that he can hit on a regular basis, it's just incredible. And I feel like the Nets are just type of team where, yeah, sometimes their just offense is going to flow so easily, but other possessions are going to play great defense and they're just going to suck your soul out with someone hitting a contested shot with one second on the shot clock. And I will say about the Nets defense tonight, Nick, I think that's what sort of sparked the, the run and, and sparked the intensity and sparked all the, the flow on the other side of the floor. You know, I remember at the start of the season, Jeff Green sort of alluded to the fact that we need our defense to initiate our offense. And a lot of the time that did happen. And, and I think that for that overall, a good sign you know, going forward for the Brooklyn Nets in terms of, you know, you held Zion Williamson, who's had 25 games plus of, of 20 points with 50% field goal percentage. And that dude was like one of six in the in the first quarter. And what did he finish, like 13 points or something, Nick? Yeah, 16 points, 4 of 12 from the field, and 8 of 14 from the free throw line. So, I mean, the Nets literally have done the best job in terms of containing Zion and, like you said, Jack, the last 25 games. And and I think a lot of that was just uh, uh, they were collapsing in on him. They were yep. making because he's a, he's an incredible uh, finisher around the rim. You know, we saw Blake finish incredibly down, around the rim, and then Zion just basically does the same thing uh, on the other side of the floor, going up and under. And and both of them are similar sort of athletes. Funny enough, obviously, you know, uh, Zion heading into his prime, heading into his prime, and Blake post prime. But insane that I just thought that the you know Clax and Blake and LMA. Jeff all did a really good job of just making the shots that little bit tougher for him because, you know, Zion's going to make the, in a similar way to, to Kyrie, make the tough look easy, but they made it even tougher for him. And, you know, his strength and his physical prowess and, and just his overall you know, athleticism, he wasn't able to show that and, and really sort of exert himself on the game as much as he would have liked. Yeah, and I think, like you said, Jack, the Nets had a game plan. We're going to collapse. We're going to give him a lot of attention, and someone else needs to prove they're going to hit threes. And really, no one on New Orleans could do that tonight. Six of 27 from deep, 22%. You know, it's not going to cut it. So it it made life a lot easier for the Nets that they weren't hitting three-point shots, and their big options were Zion. And they went really big in this game consistently. You know, it was either Zion and Adams, Zion, Adams, and Johnson. We even saw uh, Jackson Hayes and Adams out there. So, Stan yeah. Van Gundy really went big in this game. And I think it worked to the Nets' advantage because the three-point shooting was so bad and it gave them the opportunity to just collapse a ton. Yeah, it's the Nets are, will like it when you go big because now yep. they can go big because you've got Blake, LMA, and Kevin Durant who are out there at times. 
And it's just like all of these guys can shoot the ball. And obviously, Kevin Durant much better than both of those other guys. But Blake's been shooting the ball incredibly well in Brooklyn. And LaMarcus has been doing it not too badly either. They've shown a willingness to take those shots. And, and LaMarcus's three tonight looked really nice. Blake's looked pretty goddamn good as well. That corner one was almost as pretty as the, the one who shot at the buzz that had, went off with like 0.001 of a second left in the in the first quarter to really, you know, drag the momentum and keep those vibes going. And, you know, Kyrie was loving it, you know, ruffling the hair a little bit. It's a, it's a fun time to be a Nets player and a Nets fan. But, yeah, I think just in general, Nick, the Nets now have size themselves. They can go small. They can go big. They have the, the tools and the ability to do so many different things on the floor um, and that it just versatility is, uh, is a real weapon. Yeah, we saw that with the front court of Kevin Durant, Nick Claxton, and Jeff Green. You know what I mean? That was super dominant with Joe Harris out there with him and Kyrie too. It's just the versatility, the offense. It's just really insane. And like you said, Jack, it went from being such a weakness to being such a strength with the matchups that they can throw at anybody because they can go big. They can go semi-big. They can go semi-small. They can go somewhere in between. There's a lot of different options. And Kevin Durant is just obviously, you know, the trump card for everything. So now you have him as another a potential lineup piece that can just really just kill other teams. Kill, murder, destroy, <laughs> manslaughter, whatever it is, Kim Durant is doing it in a in a way where it's funny just enough, like... Jack. I was thinking about you a lot during this game because we had the conversation on the outlet about the Nets being villains, and like games like this, I think just starts to make the league hate you because everything just comes so easy and it feels so dominant, and the Nets are just having so much fun. Uh, and that's the that's part of it though as well, Nick. That I'll I'll push back against because when you see guys having that much fun and. I mean, it depends on, the, like, your just subjective feelings towards Kyrie and KD in general. Like, if that was LeBron doing it with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and, and having a laugh or whatever, I think a lot of people would be. But it, it just seems to me that there is just a more infectious nature to this Brooklyn Nets team. Again, this is probably a, a level of bias and subjectivity yeah. that I can't <laughs> remove myself from. But honestly, you know, I think that the league is trying to initiate this villain aspect, and they should be doing it more so. But you see Kyrie Irving and his family. You see Kevin Durant hugging his goddamn mom and, and Wanda Durant standing up, the real MVP, Sean Love. That's to Kevin as well. You can't help but love this team, even if you are an opposing fan. There's a lot of people I chat to, Nick, on just general NBA Twitter that can't help but like this team. They want to hate them. They want to hate James Harden. But there's something about them that is just too much joy, too much fun. Jack, ask him after about another five of these wins because this feels like <laughs> something that might become normal for the Nets with Kevin Durant out there and some of these veterans on the buyout market that are starting to really find the rhythm with his team. And you mentioned James Harden being out when he's back. I'm really, really interested to see how high this team can push it. Like the peak level of this Brooklyn Nets team is going to be something incredible. And hopefully we get to see it this season. I don't think it's yeah. a guarantee, obviously, but it seems very likely we will. Yeah, I mean, normally I sing on this podcast in a lot of ways, so I might as well bring a, a, one of my favorite Kanye tunes to it. Can we get much higher? <laughs> so high. Basically, that's the, the Nets if James Harden is to somehow return and join and make the scary hours goddamn absolutely unbearable, Nick. Unbearable hours because th there is a level to this thing that we haven't even seen. You know, I mentioned yeah. on the outlet, outlet with you, 176 minutes to get on the floor for the likes of our, our big three. And you've got, you know, now all these roll pieces and you've got Joe Harris crossing over dudes and, and yep. finishing with layup, rebounding like he's goddamn freaking Andre Drummond. There's just something about this team that is just so inevitable. Like, I'm not saying that they are bound for success and there isn't going to be adversity and there aren't going to be challenges along the way. They've faced them already. And uh, the way that they have responded to them with the level of maturity and poise, I think a lot of credit does go towards the leadership of this team from the players, from the coaches, from the front office. Um, I, I think there's just something about the Brooklyn Nets right now that is just like, infectious and you're drawn to everyone is drawn to it without the Brooklyn Nets this season because the Lakers are normally that marquee franchise team the league is always functioning better where there is some sort of super team I know people hate it and people want that parody but honestly the Golden State Warriors the Miami Heat all of these teams uh, that uh, will draw the, uh, the viewers and the eyes to national TV it's the Brooklyn Nets right now Nick and everyone the eyes are on them the TV is on. The Twitter is going crazy for them, um, and everyone is drawn to the to the BKM. 
Yeah, I mean, the hype is there, Jack, and for good reason. We're talking about possibly, you know, one of the best offenses ever. Like, this team is really, really good. We've seen a lot of potential here, so it'll be interesting to see what happens when they all get there. And like we kind of talked about a little bit on the outlet to give it another plug is what it could look like possibly in year two. You know what I mean? I think that's another crazy aspect that obviously we don't want to jump into because like you said, you know, trying to enjoy the journey of right now, but it's going to be really incredible to see the strides they can make as they get more chemistry and more reps together because they still did have plenty of turnovers tonight. And a lot of them were just guys not really knowing where the other guy was going to be specifically Kevin Durant, not knowing his new teammates yet. And following up, before Kevin Durant went in and following up basically with Kyrie Irving on this team and leading the way, the Nets don't commit a lot of turnovers. It's yeah. something that generally happens with James Harden, trying to get the, the ball flowing, trying to get everyone else their looks. Kyrie Irving's quite careful and quite poised in, in how he facilitates on the floor. It's just a different style of play. And yeah. it's not necessarily a right or, wrong way to, right or wrong way to find success, Nick. But I, I want to ask you, I guess, just a general question about that first half. The Nets had 79 points at the, at the end of the <laughs> second period. Where does that rank as a half for you as just a fan of the Brooklyn Nets, as a half that we've seen this season? It's the second most that we've seen through, and also like three quarters, I think they're like 115, uh, I think Iron Eagle said the second most ever by the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, offensively, Nick, and, and in terms of just in pure enjoyment, where does it rank for you as a fan? I mean, that was probably one of the best halves I've watched. I think that second quarter specifically just had so much emotion and joy to it with, you know, the dunk from Blake Griffin to Kevin Durant being in the game and to all these different aspects of things kind of clicking and seeing it just become kind of a massacre for the Pelicans. And you could see the frustration on their faces. And like we've talked about, there's just wasted, there's just limited options and even how you can slow this offense down, let alone stop it. It's unstoppable, Nick. It's truly unstoppable. <laughs> and we know that, you know, there are some teams out there. You look at the Sixers, you look at the Pelicans, uh, you look at the, the Lakers on their day, the way that they're coached and, and the cattle that they do have. It's not to say that the, the Nets are going to sh- score 139 points uh, night after night after night, but there is a reason why they are historically great. And they've been historically great without their best players playing, without... You know, a combination of the three, it's either James Harden, it's Kyrie Irving once, it's Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, it's Kevin Durant and James Harden. It's just something that is just almost, it's unfair to a lot of extent. And, you know, I know that we've sort of, we've gone through the highs and the lows of Brooklyn Nets fans. So we're certainly right in that high right now, drinking the Kool-Aid and, and probably overdosing on the Kool-Aid a little <laughs> bit. But in all honesty, Nick, it's just, I also wanted to ask you about my boy, Joey Buckets. You posted the clip. I've added it to the OnlyFans account. It's gone <laughs> gangbusters. The subscribers are only going to increase. Don't worry about that one. That crossover, the confidence that he has. He had a, my dude had a freaking interview with G, GQ. Other than, do you think my guy, Joey Buckets, is getting enough credit? Now, obviously, you know, you're chatting to GQ. You're getting some love. But it just seems to me that he's almost going under the radar still. Yeah, and honestly, Jack, that was about to be my next point is like this team is really, really good. And regardless with Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, James Harden, we're going to be an elite team. Like that's just a fact. But I think the gravy and the cherry on top, whatever you want to call it, is Joe Harris, is Nick Claxton, is Jeff Green, Blake Griffin, and all these role players that fit in so well next to these stars. Obviously, Joe is probably at the top of that list just based off the way he plays and adding these different elements, like you said, with that crossover. I really like the drop-off pass to LaMarcus Aldridge tonight. He just is seeing the game at a different level. We talked about the progress and the growth he's made as a player. I think this year we're starting to see that basketball IQ really start to pop. He did mention in that GQ article as well, Nick, and I highly recommend everyone. It's a nice little Q&A for Joey Buckets, who's going big time now. Um, but it, he sort of talked about not just the fact that he, like, he doesn't look at the box score. He doesn't care about the stats. You know, he doesn't necessarily care about that. But he talked about his teammates. And obviously, yeah. other than talking about the fact that you know he's not going to be recommended any of his like, prospect heights, low-key restaurants to James Harden uh, and, and, and Kevin Durant, he did talk about the fact that those guys were giving him a level of confidence on the other side of the floor, defensively, and the other aspects of his game. And I think that we've seen that because, you know, the Joey Buckets of old is just like, you know, just a pure sniper. You know, he's really good on the dribble drive. It was just like those were these two elements to his game. And, you know, he was always a, a really feisty defender. He always showed incredible effort. But there is a completeness to his game right now 
that is almost it's surprising to me, Nick. And you know, there are a few things that surprise me about Joe Harris. You know, I watch the dude, you know, left, right, and center. I consume all of his content, but there's something about his game where he's not just a shooter. We've always said that he's not just a driver. He's now passing. He's rebounding incredibly. He's crossing over. His handle looks tight. His defense is looking good. There are few flaws in his game, Nick, other than just the pure physical flaws because he's not. Kevin Durant or Nicholas Claxton, a, a really athletic, just a physical dude. He's just, he's, he's been playing incredible. Yeah, I mean, he's really perfected his game to be the role player the Nets needed. You know what I mean? Or any NBA team, really, because he's such a great complimentary piece. Like you said, Jack, the only thing he really can't do is create his own shot. You know, he's not necessarily going to be a playmaker, but that's fine. He understands that. And like you said, three-point shooting, driving, now have that mid-range shot really has improved as a passer. And I think defensively, he's becoming a little bit more aggressive. You know what I mean? He's willing to jump in a passing lane or overplay somebody, where in the past, he'd be very stationary. And some of that's probably the difference in defense from Kenny Atkinson to Steve Nash. That's a good point, Nick. That's a really good point. It's a a really sort of... um, uh, But I will also mention on that defense tonight... Him and Clax getting that little strip down low, creating you know, a lot of fast break opportunities. Yep. It just seems to me that the basketball being played by the Brooklyn Nets right now is just very instinctual. And yep. despite the fact, because you're not getting a lot of practice time, we saw Alizé Johnson and Reggie Perry getting cooked by KD in that uh, video, <laughs> but who, does, who doesn't get cooked? And we'll get to Alizé Johnson. I want to touch on him as well, Nick. But in, in all honesty, there's just a, a comfort level of composure uh, uh, just a level of just swagger about this team where it's just like, we can do all these things out on the floor. And it's not that we don't need to be coaches, that we've give, be given the freedom to play. And I think a, in a lot of respects, a lot of other teams in the past have been restricted by systems, offensively or defensively. And that has almost hampered their, you know, their, their, their gifts in a, in a lot of respects. You know, you're limiting Joe Harris to just taking these threes, not taking the contested ones. You've got to make sure you kick out those ones, Joe. Now he's taking them from goddamn everyone on the floor. Kyrie Irving, nah, we don't, we can't let you, you know, show off those handles, mate, because, you know, we don't, we, it's just not fair for basketball. It, it's just, it's, it doesn't fit well in the scheme. You can't take those mid range twos. It just seems to me, Nick, that there is just a, a pureness and just a, an, an instinctual nature to the Brooklyn Nets on both sides of the floor. And while there is obviously systems in place, it just seems to flow. Yeah, it really does, Jack. I think you nailed it. I think, you know, Steve Nash doesn't call a ton of plays. Guys are doing things a lot on their own out there, and he's not putting anybody in a box. And he's not putting the team in a box because we talked about it with the different lineups, and they can play different styles of basketball with the options they have on this team. Yeah, options are plenty, that is for sure. But, Nick, I wanted to touch on Alizé Johnson. and this. We do got a quick question, Jack, in the chat from uh, Nick Harris. How far can anyone take us in the finals? No more than five, surely. I know you don't like to talk Look, about this type of stuff, but I, I sure do. <laughs> All right, well, then you jump in first, and I'll respond after you. You know, I still think a healthy Lakers team could take the Nets six or seven games. Like, I definitely do. I think it's still a possibility. We're talking about LeBron James and Anthony Davis. But after that, I'm not sure there's many teams that you really think can push the Nets fully. Maybe other than the Sixers where Joel Embiid goes full MVP mode. But I'm still feeling pretty confident the Nets in every single series they're going to play. And if it goes to a Game 7, I feel more confident in the players the Nets have. But I really think most series would end at 6. I just think that the Nets don't want to play any games. I think Kevin Durant's not here to mess around and let the series push around. They want to end things. And I think you're going to see them be a little bit more lethal in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, their dominance has been pronounced in the regular season. And you would expect them to take that into the postseason because the motivation... I have a hard time seeing them not, right? Yeah, of course, because, you know, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, these dudes have been on that stage, you know. James Harden hasn't been fortunate enough. You know, he ran into basically one of the best teams in the history of the sport and still was only, you know, 27 missed threes away from uh, getting there into to the big stage and probably would have won the chip against the, those Cleveland Cavaliers. But in yeah. all honesty, Nick, I do give a, a bit more credit because to the, the teams like the Milwaukee Bucks, there's just, uh, you know, whether it's the Clippers or these sort of teams, because I think once you're in the finals, there's a more random nature to it. And while I still back the talent at the end of the day, there are things that can happen that will force, you know, maybe the Nets have one of those Houston Rockets nights where their three ball isn't falling. But I also do think that they can create offense in a lot of other ways. I, I just, I don't want to get too caught into 
what the Nets, you know, high of highs can be because I think teams like the Bucks, teams like the Sixers, teams like the Lakers, the Clippers, maybe even to a lesser extent the Jazz and the Nuggets can force you to be a worse version of yourself. Are the Nets going to be able to perform at peak levels? And if they're not, how do they respond? What is their defense going to look like? Are they going to continue to show this level of activity, engagement, communication? I think they will, but I just think that there are still... It's not as inevitable as I necessarily have pronounced on this podcast or as, you know, five games, you know, I think, you know, in the first couple of rounds, you, you would like to think that that would be the case. But I just think that there is, there's a randomness to this season that just leaves me uh, a bit uncomfortable. And I think that that could, you know, affect the Brooklyn Nets in some way too. Yeah, I think that's always fair. Obviously, injuries can always happen, bad stretches, shooting slumps. But I think one thing that helps the Nets kind of counter that is they do have so many different options like hey somebody's having a bad series well okay now we can play this guy instead or this shooter can step in for this guy or whatever it might be and you kind of alluded to it earlier in the show we're talking about how all these guys have dealt with adversity and different guys have had to step up in in roles when needed so that could really benefit the team when it comes to the postseason and I just have a lot of confidence I think in the team in general turning it up like we saw LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin like play at a better level since joining the Nets. That's because they're playing for something. And you have to assume, I think a lot of these guys are going to really push it to another level. Obviously the other great teams are going to do that too. But I think I look at it more so as like, yeah, other teams are going to try to influence the way the Nets play, but the Nets really should influence how everybody else is going to play because of the talent and the, because of the matchup problems they cause for literally every team in the league. Oh, I, I totally take in what you're saying, and, and I, I believe all of it. It's just, uh, I, I just, I, I want to remain somewhat steady in in the face of you know overwhelming evidence of the fact that the Nets are an incredibly dominant team, Nick. But getting back to this game, I wanted to touch on my dude AJ Alize Johnson. There's an AJ, there's a TJ, there's an RJ on the in Brooklyn Nets <laughs> fame, and I don't know who's my favorite, but right now Alize Johnson. There's something about this kid, Nick. You know he. He rebounds like his life depends on it. And he's got athleticism. You know, the, we've talked about, you know, I, I, I really want him to stay as a Brooklyn Net for the, the long term. You know, give him a TLC style, Lou Dort style sort of contract and, and keep him in Brooklyn for, for the near slash long term. Um, there's something about this kid, Nick. Uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts on, on Alizé Johnson and, and tonight's performance and, and elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, the energy really pops. And we talked about the rebounding already. And he just is a really strong rebounder for his position and his size. Like, he just puts a lot of effort in on that side of the floor. And that's something that sticks out. And obviously, we talked about his little push shot and his layup package. Obviously, the biggest thing for him is going to be developing that three-point shot. But energy-wise and the spark, that's kind of something the Nets could use on some of these regular season games. And he po- he provides that. And he got some first-quarter minutes tonight. Obviously, that might not happen when everyone's healthy but you appreciate Steve Nash giving him some run. Definitely. Uh, I, I think that this is something that you know Rob Mahoney wrote about in The Ringer, about the fact that the way the Nets are used in the regular season, and we heard this from Steve Nash at the early parts, sort of being like, this is an experimentation. This is going to be a chemistry lab. This is going to be just a, a scientific lab where it's just like, let's see what a TLC, a Chris Chioza, an Alizé Johnson-style lineup looks like uh, at times. But in, in all honesty, you know, focusing on, 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 on AJ, I just like what he can bring as a point of differentiation because he yep. just has some athleticism, some pop to him. He runs like a goddamn madman. He's, he's quick. He, uh, he, he's finishing around the rim is, is really strong, composed, and, and, and he's just got a bit of finesse down there as well as to, to go with the physicality and athleticism that he does provide. It's just it, it's a, it's a bevy of riches. And sure, Marks might have found another gem in the rough uh, because the way this kid is playing right now, whether it's as a Brooklyn then in the future or, or on a different team, uh, he looks like an NBA player. Yeah, he really does. And I think, you know, the fact that he's sticking out in certain areas of his game, it's always a pro. You know what I mean? If you can showcase that you're above average somewhere in a part of your game, that's going to give you an opportunity to be an NBA player. But talking about another guy who's kind of been one of the gems for the Nets this year, Bruce Brown. I thought this was a really good Bruce Brown game. Just a lot of energy. And I know the plus minus isn't great because he played with the second unit a lot at the end of the game. But he just had some of those spark plays in five steals and two blocks, Jack. I don't care about any of the other stats. He did have nine points in this game and eight rebounds. But five steals and two blocks for Bruce Brown. He just is causing mayhem. Uh, look, he, he wanted that starting spot, Nick. And I don't know if Kevin Durant's going to get it back to him next game with Bruce Brown. Nah, in, in, all, in, all, in all seriousness... Bruce Brown, there's – what more can you say about him, Nick, other than what we've sort of said podcast after podcast after podcast? 
the we talk about the infectious nature of Kyrie Irving and, and Kevin Durant and James Harden that they bring on the offensive and the joy that they bring there. Bruce Brown brings that defensively. He's got this aggression about him. He's got this chippiness about him. Whenever he's next to an opposing bench, you'd better shut your mouth because he's going to hit a three <laughs> in your face if you say something to him every single time. He'd be 100% from the field if he's got an opponent speaking in his ear because he misses all the ones uh, where he doesn't have an opponent uh, chip trapping to him. But in all honesty, Nick, defensively, he was this, he was at his best tonight. And I think that he, him and LMA in the starting lineup, were, and he mentioned this before the game, and this is no um, no uh, criticism towards DeAndre Jordan. This was Bruce Brown himself saying that there was more space, there is more space for me out there when LaMarcus Aldridge is starting. And that allows him to not just impact the game offensively, but defensively too. He can climb up and, and, and jump like a goddamn madman for those rebounds. He can get in the passing lanes. He can show the level of physicality. Um, Bruce Brown, Nick, he's, uh, he's a hell of a player. And the, the fact that the Nets, again, I, it still bewilders me how the Nets acquired some of these players. Yes, the, the buyout market sort of dudes and, and whatever. But to me, I'm going to keep focusing on the likes of Jeff Green and Bruce Brown. These guys would play on plenty of other teams, if not every other team in the league being their rotation. Uh, and the prices that they're getting paid by the Brooklyn Nets right now and how they are required, um, it, it's a hell of a move. And Bruce Brown, he's going to continue to show the level of consistency. And if we keep getting that de- defensive intensity, um, then it's going to only spark the Nets offense even more as well. Yeah, I mean, just thinking about the option of bringing two dominant defensive players in the game at the same time, I guess maybe not dominant in terms of Bruce Brown, but I would say Nick Claxton is pretty dominant in terms of teams not really attacking him quite as much as they did originally. So that's just going to be another plus for the Nets. Like, we've been talking about a lot, the different lineups and the combos they can throw at you and the different counters they have. Bruce Brown continues to add to that. You mentioned Jeff Green continues his great play. You know, 11 points, four or six from the field, two or four from three, four rebounds, four assists. The amount of guys on this team that had, you know, double digits assists, like three plus assists tonight, really speaks about the basketball that's being played. There was some absolutely gorgeous basketball being played tonight, Nick. You know, one of them was a, a pass from Kyrie Irving off a Kevin Durant pass, uh, a secondary uh, hockey pass in transition. You know, Jeff makes the cut uh, and, and hits the layup. That Kyrie Irving pass was incredibly underrated. I thought that was a really savvy. Uh, pass from him. And then there was also where basically everyone touched the ball. Joe Harris, you know, drives and then dumps it off to, I think, LMA or whoever yep. it was. It might have been, yeah. And that to me was just like, this is just absolutely gorgeous basketball. And there needs to be an NSFW rating on it because the way it's been played right now, it's there's a, a level of moisture and wetness that's not only being created by the ball hitting the net, but, uh, some areas of my body, Nick, and it's not just sweat. I'll put it that way. But, it, but to getting getting back. <laughs> no, to even break. and just uh, touching on that, Jack, and what you're talking about the ball movement, Kevin Durant via our guy Matt Brooks. When we move the basketball the way we did, it's fun out there with these veteran players. It feels like they can finish my sentence. So it's just kind of like you said, it's instinctual and guys just understanding how to play the game at an extremely high level. There's something about just ball movement, Nick, and, and when the ball has an energy. You know, I, I think that we like to look at sport from an objective standpoint, from the X's and O's, how many threes we hit, how many mid-ranges we hit, what were the free throws. We look at the numbers, but then you take, you take a step back and you just look at how the ball is moving. What is happening out there? What's going on with the players? Is there a willingness to pass? Is there a willingness to attack? You know, all these different things. And I think that that's something that, you know, we've mentioned before on the Brooklyn Buzz about, you know, I've sort of said when the Nets average 30-plus assists, that's when they look their most dangerous. And, and a lot of those games happen when, you know, it's James Harden out there. And I'm not necessarily sure the numbers. I'm sure you have it in front of you. But the way you sort of... Tonight. Incredible. Like, absolutely yeah. incredible. I think that might be a season high, to be honest, because I think they've only had 35-plus assists yep. once or twice uh, off the top of my head. I remember bringing it up on a, on a previous buzz. I think it might have been the but... last game that Kevin Durant played. I think it was against the Golden State Warriors. I'll double-check that while you're talking, Jack. And, and look, that's in, and, and that's incredible because we've, I've alluded to the fact of Kyrie Irving passing the ball uh, and facilitating and leading the team on, on that end of the floor. You add in Kevin Durant, who I think his most underrated skill is his passing. Everyone talks about LeBron James. Oh, LeBron James, his best skill is actually his passing. I think Kevin Durant doesn't get enough credit for that. And I think if you're watching the game tonight, you're going to see the threes. You're going to see him, you know, um, doing all the, the things he's going to show up on House of Highlights. But you're not going to see those secondary assists, the, the willingness to get his team mates open and and I think that that's something that's that to be said and I know a lot of other people are sort of saying about Kevin Durant coming off the bench 
Second time in his career, obviously the first time in his career, he was forced to do so with all those COVID protocols. But what player or with the stature of Kevin Durant would go, you know what? I'm cool coming off the bench. You know, play Bruce Brown. I understand that you guys want to manage my minutes and you're probably a little bit precautious after what happened with James Harden or whether it was his decision or whatever. There just seems to be a, a willingness of sacrifice that a lot of these players have talked about preaching, but we're seeing it, Nick. Yeah, 100%, Jack. And just to confirm what I said, the last game they had 35 assists was Kevin Durant's previous game against the Golden State Warriors on February 13th. So he definitely is providing that extra element. And we've heard a lot of guys say he's making the game very easy. And he did that himself tonight, like you said, with the six assists or the five assists, then also a lot of those hockey assists as well. Yeah, Kevin Durant could get me an open shot. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, I might not. I'm, I'm about to hide a Bruce Brown. You might Brand, score but 10 without... points on this Nets team, to be honest. You'd be shooting just wide open layups at this point. I mean, LaMarcus Aldridge had like three or four dunks, and we're talking about a six-time All-Star. Yeah, I'd be smiling. I wouldn't be able to take the smile <laughs> off my face. It would be tattooed on me if I was out there with this Brooklyn Nets team, Nick. I'd be, I'd be happy being a Theo Pinson on this team. And, you know, I've got some dance moves. Maybe I can bring some songs to this team. You know, maybe bring Clack City and see what he thinks about that. Um, merch coming soon. Yeah, stay tuned. <laughs> um, but um, to, to get to some other guys, Nick, Chris Chioza, when he came in out there, eight dimes for, for the cheese. What did you think of his game? Yeah, obviously, you know, I'm... I wouldn't say I'm the biggest Chris Chioza supporter, but I thought he played really well tonight. You know, 12 points, 8 assists. I think obviously getting the matchup against Isaiah Thomas helps out because it's somebody that's yeah. literally his size. But he was diamond the basketball around. Obviously, New Orleans defense is pretty bad, like we mentioned before. But also credit to him passing the ball and credit to the cutters getting wide open. Oh, absolutely. I thought that I'm just like, you know what? This is the matchup where you play a Chris Chioza because, you know, Isaiah Thomas – we love the story. Hopefully, he gets uh, another 10-day uh, and, get, and gets some sort of contract because, you know, what he's given the New Orleans Pelicans, I think, is something, as long as they can still balance those Kyra Lewis minutes out. But that's a discussion for a different day. Uh, but I, I just uh, – he's passing, you know, it just and, – and the fact that he hit a three ball as well, um, he, he looked, you know, competent offensively, which to, to me and you has always been the biggest question about him. But, but Nick, uh, I, I guess at the end of the day, if he's going to have – you know, these sort of nights where he can just sort of slot himself in, you know, run the floor, throw some just incredible passes. You know, if you had a couple of inches on him, I think the game would be a, a heap easier for him. Yep. But he makes the game look easy with that ball in his hands. He, he plays and passes, uh, and, and it's it's really, really pretty. And if you, you don't watch Brooklyn Nets basketball, then you, you're not seeing the level of, of competence uh, in, in Chris Chioza and the way that he throws some dimes out there. Yeah, I think, honestly, for Chioza long-term, his best bet is to get strong. You know what I mean? And be able to kind of take some more contact at that shorter size. He's pretty good at it. Sometimes we saw him kind of hit that layup coming down, which I think is something that he can work on moving forward. That would give him at least an asset going to the rim. But, Jack, anybody else you want to touch on? Look, Nick, I think that we've probably hit the nail on the head with, with most players. Um, I think that the the Nets bench were celebrating TLC finally hitting a three ball at the end <laughs> of the game. 2 of 13 for TLC from deep. Obviously, that's a pretty rough game. But if you're going to have a rough game, it's going to be in a 30-point blowout. We'll take it every time, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> in all honesty, I, I, I get the, the, the criticism for him, the way that he's played um, tonight's game as well. He was clearly the, the Nets' worst performer. But honestly, I, I think that the hate is a little bit over the top sometimes. And, and TLC is what he is. You know, if he keeps, I don't think he made bad decisions. He just wasn't making shots necessarily. Yeah. No, it just happens. I mean, at least he's not like he doesn't have 10 turnovers. I mean, a clear path foul, I think, is something that's a little bit more frustrating. I mentioned to you, he gives probably some of the weakest fouls in the NBA. But overall, it wasn't anything like terribly bad. I will shout out Nick Claxton. I really like that drive he had on Jackson Hayes in this game. But other than that, it wasn't a very eventful game for Clax. But he didn't play bad or anything like that either. No, and the, the cornrows look absolutely gorgeous. You know, the, the hair game, the hair game of the Brooklyn Nets is uh, as good as any other team in the NBA. And I, I put this on my Twitter page. Um, I just think that, and, and again, you know, I'm harping on it because I mentioned on the last podcast as well. He is a, a ways. He's so further progressed to what we would expect as as a defensive player for, for a, a guy of his stature and a guy of his experience. But offensively, he's got a ways to go, Nick. And, and, and yeah. James Harden and, and Kevin Durant and Kyrie make him look better because, the, you know, the three ball, it, obviously, don't, I don't necessarily care about that, but it's the free throws for me, Nick. And, you know, again tonight, you know, it, I don't know whether it's a confidence issue or, or what it is. Like you mentioned, it feels like rushed. 50... He feels rushed at the free throw line. 
there's something about it. I don't know what it is. That it, it could be a point that you know opposing teams could attack if we do see Nicholas Flaxton out there for possessions. Because you know tonight, you know the best defense probably for the uh, New Orleans Pelicans was get the ball in TLC hands or, or hack Nicholas Flaxton. Yeah, I mean, it really was. I mean, that's going to be something the Nets have to consider if he's closing games in a postseason matchup. Like, is that something you can afford to have out there, especially with, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge and even Jeff Green being a pretty decent three, uh, free throw shooter, too. So there's going to be different options for the Nets, and that's something you want he needs to work on. You also kind of worry about him kind of having, you know, confidence or getting in his head a little bit, being such a young player on such a big stage. Yeah, look, I think he's got a, a confidence about him that I think that it won't necessarily affect him as it much as it would for, say, some other you know young and inexperienced players. But ultimately, I think he's going to be okay. And you know, the, these things will come for him. And I think he's got the, the luxury of learning from some of the best offensive big men that, that have been in the game for a very, very long time. And, and guys like Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, DeAndre Jordan, I'm sure, is giving him plenty of tutelage behind the scenes as well. But Nick... This is our first time doing a locker room Brooklyn buzz. Do we want to throw out um, the microphone to some of the people who have been gracious enough to join us? More than welcome. If, uh, our guy VJ is in here, I believe. So we want to hop in and drop in some questions or anything. More than welcome. Yeah, if you guys want to throw the speaker requests our way, we've pretty much dissected this game as much as we can. So, uh, or any questions or whatever, throw them our way, guys. Uh, the the mics are open. I don't know whether this is our first time doing it, as I, as I alluded to. So I apologize if I'm not doing this the most perfect way. But, you know, thank you to Ryan, Nick, VJ, Lamar for, for joining us because um, we're going to keep trying to do these a, a couple more times, especially after some big games. It's always good interacting and, and getting some questions from everyone. 100%, Jack. And obviously, if the games keep going like this, there's going to be a lot of great things to talk about in regards to the Nets. No doubt, no doubt. But you know, in saying that, um, Nick, we'll probably get back to this. Uh, maybe might do it after the Lakers game. If not, at, at certain points, especially over the next week, I'm lucky enough to, to be on holiday. So I can and jump in and, and chat with you guys. And uh, it's always a pleasure chatting Nets basketball with you, Nick. And man, it's uh, it's been fun watching these Brooklyn Nets, eh? Yeah, 100%, Jack. Always a pleasure. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. You can check the buzz on all stream platforms. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.